Podcast. Today, Pastor Dave starts his new series, The Path to Greatness, The Life of David. This ought to be a great series, so stick around for all the installations coming up each Sunday. Afterwards, check out our website, HoughtonBaptist.org. A lot of information there about the church and things going on, including our Christmas service coming up 10 a.m., Sunday, December 24th. We're going to have cocoa and refreshments afterwards and a few surprises. So it would be great to have you there. If you've never been to our church, this would be a great time to stop by and visit. We'd love to have you. You can come as you are. We do. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Man, God is growing our church, amen? amen? Full of life and college students and young people and young families and babies, and it's awesome. God is so good. I don't know about you, but that last song, thinking about all that I've been through and all that I'm going through, just to quiet myself before God. Isn't that what you needed this morning? You're not here because we put on a good service or have good messages or whatever it is. Hopefully you're here to engage God your father, right? That relationship that you have with King Jesus, and hopefully you've prepared your hearts to listen to what God has for you, because I'm excited about what God has for you this morning. So let's pray and ask the Lord to do what he does best, the Holy Spirit work in and through our hearts and our lives, and that he will reveal what he has for us. Father God, first of all, we just praise you. We praise you for the growth. We praise you for new life. Lord, we we praise you for being that constant rock when we need you to be God. Lord, you're there, you're present, you're worthy, you're steadfast, you're faithful. Lord, sometimes we're not, but God, you're gracious in that. Lord, I know this morning is a divine appointment for us to to engage your presence, to listen to your voice. Lord, we we have all different kinds of things going through uh, our heads and our minds and We've been through a lot as a church and just our own individual families, God, but, but you're faithful to see us through to the finish line. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speak mightily through the text, through me. Lord, I'm just a vessel. Lord, I confess you my own physical weaknesses and suffering. Lord, let me just put that before the cross and I pray for our church body. God, would you mend the broken? Would you heal the sick? Would you restore our faith and use us? For your name's sake, for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You glad to be here this morning? Amen? Me too. Let me start off by asking you a question, if I could. What is it that God sees in us? What is it that God sees in us? I mean, what is he, he looking for, and is there a standard? Today we're going to start our new series covering the life of King David. I'm excited to go through this series with you, but the path to greatness, his path to greatness. The Bible gives us 66 chapters to the character and life of David. So it's obvious that he's someone that that God wants us to know and understand and, and learn from. Amen? 
David is a character that we can identify with, or at least I can, at every level. doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or haven't done. We can identify with David. Let me just say this before we go any further, because I believe it's important to the text and to the message. God has the ability, I want this to sink in this morning. God has the ability to move any one of us from where we're at to where he wants us to be. No matter if it's broken, no matter if it's depression or anxiety, or we're, we're in a state of desperate, right? God has the ability, as God, as our king, to move us, even though some of us aren't willing. Have you been there? Just refuse to be moved by God. He has the ability to move us forward and promote us. We were destined for greatness. I think many of us go through life, and we don't believe that about ourselves, about our lives, that we were destined for greatness, but we were. Young David was destined for greater things, and only God saw the value in him. Not his brothers, not his dad, not his family, not Saul, but God saw the value in David. Listen, can I tell you this morning, God sees value in you. Amen? That's like the weakest amen I've ever heard in my life. It was like, amen? God sees value in you. My goal for us today, church, is that we begin to understand exactly what God is looking for in us. It's important that we know the expectation of the king, the expectation of the father, right? Before we go into a restaurant, I have this little pep talk with my children. Be calm. Don't throw food. Don't argue. Be respectful. And they're like, okay, dad. Right. Right? But it's important that they know the expectation that I have for them when we enter into the restaurant, right? As we follow Jesus, it's important we know the expectation that God has for each of us. Also, that we no longer look at ourselves as unusable. Have you ever thought that about yourself? That I'm just not usable, I'm unworthy, there's no value. But we begin to see what God sees. In us. Church, he sees value. He sees worth. Are we ready? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 through 11. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 through 11. Feel free to use your smartphones, your tablets on the overhead as well. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 through 11. It says this, Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? In peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6 says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Everybody say heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. Samuel said, then Jesse presented Shema. 
Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? No. They're still the youngest, he answered. But right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down and eat until he gets here. Stop there. Let me give you the backstory before we dive into the text, if I may. The children of Israel were now in a place where they were demanding a king. They wanted to be like every other nation, and yet they already had the Most High God, Yahweh, for their king and leader. For whatever reason, God didn't seem to be enough for the children of Israel. They, they wanted a man-made king to lead them into battle, to fight for them, even though God had done just that. Israel wanted a king to rule over their nation. So God appointed Saul. Notice he gave them what they asked for. Oftentimes, church, God will give us exactly what we want, right? What we've been pursuing, what we've been begging for, and sometimes, everybody say sometimes, it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, does it? Has God ever given you something or someone you thought you needed? And it didn't turn out the way you thought it would turn out, right? We've all been there. This is what happened with Israel, God's people. Now, Saul had the DNA of a king. He was strong. He was good looking, right? Head and shoulders above everyone else. The only problem was this, the condition of his heart. It was a heart issue. He had failed to obey God, Twice. Now, that doesn't seem like much. We could sit back and say, listen, I failed God countless times in my life. But the standard of a king was great. God had given Saul very specific orders before they raided the Amalekites. This is what it says, church. It says this, Saul, listen to the voice of God. You are to destroy everything. Everybody say everything. And keep nothing for yourself. Pretty direct and to the point. You will destroy everything and keep nothing for yourself. I want you to apply that to your life this morning. What things has God asked you to destroy? What things has God asked you, your sovereign king, your creator and sustainer, asked you to destroy? Just, just think about that for a second. Maybe what have you kept for yourselves when it concerns kingdom things? Think of the things in your life he's asked you to walk away from time and time again. Right? He says, listen, I need you to walk away from this. This is destroying you. This is hurting you. This is holding you back. And yet we refuse. We fight it. God says, listen, destroy everything. And yet, what do we do? We hold on to it. Think of the thoughts. This is where, where things get, get fuzzy for me, the things where I struggle with, that occupy our mind and our time and attention when we're, we're worried, when we're stressed out about things or things outside of our control. We just tend to focus all of our attention and energy on those things. And God says, will you just destroy that fear? Will you destroy that worry? Will you destroy that, that addiction? 
Saul's disobedience grieved. We always think about things in, uh, from our perspective, right? How it affects us. Saul's disobedience grieved the heart of God. Church, if we're to be great for the kingdom, I'm, I'm assuming you want to be great for the kingdom. Amen? I want to be great for the kingdom. If we want to get where God wants us to be, then following orders, His orders are a must. We, we, we can't bypass the orders and instructions and just have all the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? It doesn't work that way. We have to follow His instructions. We have to follow His Word. Last Sunday, my oldest, which by the way, I got permission to use this story. I always get permission from the family. But my oldest boy was acting up during worship. You know, I'm, I want to get into it, and I'm worshiping God. And I'm raising my hands, and the, the Spirit is moving, and, and Caden's whistling real loud and being obnoxious, just being a kid. But I told him, I said, listen, if you don't calm down when we get home, you're not going outside. And we got home, and we were having lunch, and we discussed it a little bit further. And he says, Dad, I, I know how this will end. Jillian's like, oh boy. <laughs> Dad, I know how, how this will, will end here. I said, oh yeah, can you just tell me what's going to happen? He says, you'll let me out. <laughs> you, you'll let me out, Dad. You always do. Apparently, I've been too gracious in my parenting, amen? I said, not today, son. <laughs> not today. Maybe our mindset about obeying the Lord, just, just stay with me. Maybe our mindset about obeying God is quite similar to that statement, that childlike statement. Maybe, just maybe, we expect too much grace. Have you been there? Maybe we expect for God to, to always give in to our situations. Maybe we expect God to look the other way. Have you ever expected that? Therefore, we never obey to the full potential, our full potential. Because we're expecting God is just going to let things slide in our lives. Like He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. We make mistakes. Yes, God will forgive. Yes, God is gracious. But should we ignore the instructions Absolutely not. Should we sit back and assume that God will be forever gracious to us no matter what we do or how we live? No, church, I don't think we should live like that. Saul decided to keep what God asked him to destroy. Think about those things that we just refuse to give up. Say, God, we, we want to follow you and we want to sold out for you, but God, you can't have this area of my life. I refuse to give it over to you. And yet God says, you can't have all of me, all the rewards and benefits of a relationship with me unless you destroy it, unless you give that up. When we disobey God, we delay our destination, don't we? And more importantly, we grieve the heart of God. We can't rework the system. Amen? 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 I'll have to pray for you all. Refuse to amen. 
In verse 10 of chapter 15, God said that I regret. This is heartbreaking to me. I regret making Saul king, for he has turned away from following me, and he failed to keep my instructions. That's heartbreaking. I want to keep God's instructions to the fullest. And and you should too, amen? God wanted Saul's heart to be right. That's it. Not perfect. Everybody say, not perfect. But to be right. God told Samuel, stop mourning Saul. I have a new king in mind. I just love that. Stop grieving Saul. I have a new king in mind. From the outside, I think you can identify with this. I know I can. From the outside, Saul looked the part. God's really been wrestling and dealing with me on this situation, this, this, this idea here. Because we can look the part, can't we? Can you look the part? You know, stand, you know, let me stand up here all by myself and raise my hand. Saul looked the part. Saul appeared to be the right kind of king, but on the inside, God saw something different. God is looking for people who have the right heart. That's it. A passion and a willingness to obey the Most High God. Amen? I don't ever want to settle in my walk with Jesus. Not to mention, God cares about the things that we conceal. Some of you who are married, just nudge your spouse. God cares about the things that we conceal, the things that we, we leave out, the things that we hide. How many things have you hid in your life? Be honest with yourselves. Things that no one else knows about. God cares about those things. God cares about those things. Oh, that we would repent and confess. We want this great relationship with God, and yet we fail to confess sin. Don't we? Say, Pastor, I got nothing to confess. I've done nothing major wrong. I think if we're being honest, there's always things inside of our heart and our lives and our minds that we can get before the throne of God and say, Lord, I want to be more like you. There's an area of my heart and my soul that's sinful and wicked. I think about things I shouldn't. I I dabble in areas where I shouldn't dabble. God, cleanse me. Cleanse me, God, and make me new. Make that relationship that I have with you to be right. Samuel went to recruit the future king of Israel. He had no idea who he was or what he looked like, not to mention the age of the future king of Israel. I've never had this before. I actually got a phone call on my iPad. (laughs) We, We won't accept that call. Hang on, let me decline that real quick. That's awesome. First for everything. Scholars believe that David was between the age of 10 and 15, just a young boy 
God told Samuel, go to Jesse's of Bethlehem because I have selected a king. I love that word, selected. The cool part about this whole thing is that David had no idea. He was about to be recruited by God. Not a clue. He was doing his own thing. He was minding his own business. And God handpicked him for one of the greatest jobs in all of Israel. Are you kidding me? Isn't that like our God? Amen. David was a shepherd. A shepherd. How was David qualified to be a king? Some of us never get to our destination because we skip over menial jobs, menial tasks. Amen? We're, we're always looking for something glamorous, something larger than life. Let me just say this. Consistency will get you to your destination. You with me? Hard work, dedication, patience. Some of us never get chosen for greater things because we're always looking for something else. Aren't we? All God cares about is this. Your effort. Your obedience. And most of all, your heart. Is that a relief? Is that a relief? He just cares about what's in here. I washed dishes and served tables for years before I was appointed to the pastorate, cleaning up after people, serving those that had a need. Sounds very familiar to my own job right now, right? Have you ever washed dishes for 200 people at a banquet? I have. Not easy. Messy. God works in the messy and the miserable. Amen? There were days that I asked God, why am I here? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I doing this job? This ta- God, don't you have something greater for me? I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Surely you have something more for me. I'm wasting my time. How many of us said that in our own jobs, our own lives? I'm wasting my time. No, God was preparing me for greater things. You with me? We want to skip the process, the growth process. We want to skip over all the mess and the hurdles and the obstacles, all the garbage, the things that make us who we are and make us usable for the kingdom. Some of you this morning might be feeling the same way. Ready to quit? Is that you? Ready to start over? Burn out? Is that you? Bored out of your mind? Can I just encourage you, stay the course? You with me? Stay the course. Stay consistent. God is preparing you through all of your trials, through all of your mess, all of the things that you want to escape in life. God is Preparing you. Samuel meets up with Jesse and immediately starts introducing his prize horses, meaning the older, stronger brothers, not David. Everybody say, not David. See, Jesse brought out the sons that he thought were worthy to be king. Worthy to be great. Worthy to be used of God. The, the best of the best. If we're not careful, we too can think this about ourselves. Amen? If we don't fit into a certain category, have certain gifting or abilities, 
we write ourselves off. God can't use me. Have you ever said that? God can't use me. I've done this. God can't use me. I don't have the confidence. God can't use me. I've done too many things wrong. God can't use me. God can use you. God can use you. It's not our skill set, our wealth, our stature. It's our heart. David was a man after God's own heart. A title given to no other in the Bible. That's so cool. I wonder what will be said about you and I. There's going to come a day when we take our last breath. What will be said about your life, your legacy, your passion, your zeal for God? A man or woman after the heart of God? I hope some would say that about me and you. When Samuel saw the oldest son, he said, the Lord's anointed one is before me. This is the guy that will lead Israel. He's a king. And God said, not so fast, Samuel. He's not the one that I've chosen. Does that make a difference? He's not the one that I've prepared to be king. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees. For man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. You see where we have to work? You see where we have to allow God to work in our lives? It's the condition of our heart. In other words, his size and stature has no bearing on his ability to be king. We're so quick to to talk ourselves out of kingdom-sized projects and kingdom-sized jobs, aren't we? Because the lies that we have been told. Church, God is not looking to promote superstar Christians. He's looking to promote those that love Him. You with me? Do you love Him? Do you love Him? How much do you love Him? Actions speak louder. Somebody say it. Actions speak louder than words. God is looking to promote and move, increase those that love him. I can handle that. Can't you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart mind, and soul. It says, for man sees what's visible, but God sees the heart. What a perfect requirement for greatness. When I was promoted to pastor here almost seven years ago, four years have flown by, haven't they? Many counted me out. I was two years into my Bible degree. I had never pastored a church before. I was just 30 years old, a baby. Some would still say that I'm a baby. But God saw something people couldn't see. And I'm not saying that to promote myself. Never count yourself out of the job that God has called you to is what I'm saying. That's my point, right? 
the job that he's preparing you for, the life that he has waiting for you. As we move through this series, the fact that David would rule and become king is not the definition of greatness. Don't misunderstand the point of this series. It's the fact that his heart, everybody say his heart, was tuned into the heart of the Most High God. It wasn't what he accomplished or would accomplish. His heart, his passion for God, for kingdom things. Just read through the Psalms, 73 Psalms that he penned. It was his heart. We think all the things that we can do for God, the things that we can accomplish, right? We want to do these great things. And God is just asking your heart to be right and tune into his heart. How simple. How simple. David would make mistakes. Remember, at the start of this, we, we talked about how we can identify and relate to David. David would make many mistakes. David would commit adultery. David would murder an innocent man, and yet God, God still saw something of value in young David. Amen? Does that not give you hope this morning? The laundry list of mistakes, things that you've done, things you don't talk about, the things that you've hidden... Things that you hide today, God still sees value in you. There's hope. God still promoted David, even though he would make those mistakes. There's hope for you and I. What mercy and love and compassion that God would have for David. Prophetic grace and vision for David. Friends, let me just say this, and we're almost done. Our flaws don't count us out. Our weaknesses don't change the call. It's the makeup of the heart that promotes us. Jesse had Samuel meet all of his sons except for David. And each one, God kept saying this, He's not it. Samuel's probably, what? been here all day. I've seen the best of the best. The strongest, the most built. He's not what I'm looking for. I bet those brothers were like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me now? I'm not it? Nope. I'm not it? Nope. He's not what I'm looking for. Samuel asked, is this it? Are these all of your sons? And Jesse said, no, you haven't met my youngest. What a special moment. You haven't met my youngest, but but right now he's busy tending to the sheep. He's in the field at work. I love the picture this portrays. Stay with me. Don't miss this part. David had to have seen the caravan of people heading to this meeting place, the bright lights, the glamour, right? His brothers and family heading to the sacrifices feast, and David was in the field working. Amen? Not good enough. Amen? Amen. He stayed put. We talked about staying the course. 
David stayed put. He stayed watching over the sheep. Menial task. Dirty task. Samuel looks at Jesse and says, what are you waiting for? Go get him. Go get David. Notice this. The others were lined up, ready for promotion, right? Ready to be anointed, ready to be king, but not David. Everybody say, not David. He was at work. There's power there. He was at work. Jesse called to his son, David, we're waiting for you. David, come on home. Somebody's here to meet you. He would be anointed as king, as just a young boy. Is there not hope for you and I? Amen? What can we learn from this? We're all usable. Every single one of us are usable for his name, for his glory, for his purpose. Number two, destroy what's destroying you. You with me? I like the first one better. Destroy what's destroying you. The secrets, the lies, the hidden sin, the issues, we all have them. Destroy what's destroying you. Number three, be busy where God has placed you. Stop trying to look for another avenue, another another place to work or go or escape. We're so good at escaping. Be busy where God has placed you. He'll promote you. Number four, God will promote you when you're ready. Pastor, I'm ready today. You'd like to think so. (laughs) God will promote you and move you when you're ready. I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to move into a time of communion so you can think about these things that we've talked about. Let's bow our heads, get our hearts right before God as we move into this time, as we think about his sacrifice and his grace and his love. I'm going to have the guys come forward to help serve communion, but I'm going to close us in prayer and then move us into this time. God, help us to know that we know that we know that we are usable There's value. God, help us to do the courageous thing to destroy the things in our lives that are robbing us and destroying us. God, help us to be content where we're at. Help us to stop trying to run or avoid or Do different things, God. Get out ahead of you. Help us to stay our place. Stay in the field working like David. Waiting and anticipating the call. God, we know that you'll promote us in due time. God, I pray for healing and strength and courage for us as we move forward, as we serve you. God, we need to be in a constant place of of desperation for your holiness and your righteousness. Help us to be more like you. 
Lord, let us not be complacent in our relationship. Let us confess sin, wrongdoing, wrong attitude. God, as we move into this time of communion, we can celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection, your sacrifice, the price that you paid to give us hope and grace and eternal life. Oh God, we're thankful to be yours. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. And speaking of support, there's a lot of different ways you can support Houghton Baptist in addition to the traditional way of giving your tithe or check at church. We have online giving on our website at HoughtonBaptist.org, and we also have text giving. If you're interested in text giving, just dial 906-346-1317 and follow the information from there. Easy peasy. If you're looking for a church or you're just not sure what church is all about, why don't you stop by Houghton Baptist Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Be there. Come as you are. We do. Have a great day.